Good evening. Begin with number 990 tonight. Good evening. A couple of announcements before we have our, our lesson. As a reminder, that uh, put in your calendars that Heather and Andy's uh, shower, baby shower, is April 24th here at the building from 1 to 3. So please put that in your calendars as April 24th here at the building. Uh, updates on our prayer list. Uh, remember to continue to keep Mary Alice in your prayers. She's still, she's still at St. Mary's Hospital. Uh, she's showing some signs of improvement, but still continue to keep her in your prayers. Remember to continue to keep Kristen Ward and Rusty Leap in your prayers as they continue with their chemo. And also, uh, Wayne Stevens, that's Hilda's son and Jerry's brother. In Tennessee, he had uh, knee replacement surgery, and everything came out well with that. Uh, so that's great news. So remember to continue to keep him in your prayers as he recovers at home. And Hilda is in Tennessee, is that right? Babysitting. <laughs> They'll always be your baby, probably. Um, also, uh, Leland Doc Ward, remember to continue to keep him in your prayers. Uh, from, he's doing a lot better from COVID, so remember to continue to keep him in your prayers. Remember to continue to keep Vern in your prayers as well. And also, Jim Haney um, was sent to the ER. Um, emergency care center, uh, his pulse is really low, so remember to continue to keep Jim Haney in your prayers as well at this time. Um, and just as a reminder, if you need to use the multi-purpose room for anything, just let Peg know so she can mark it down on the calendar. Uh, that's all the announcements I have at this time. Let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for letting us come here this evening, Lord, to learn more about your word, to be able to apply it to our everyday lives. Lord, we are here to honor you and everything we do, Lord. Let your word continue on encouraging us, lifting us up, so that way we can lift others' spirit up 
spirit up as well, Lord. Lord, let's practice our Christianity wherever we go, Lord, that they see you in us. Lord, we ask you this time to be with Chris as he gives us a lesson today, Lord, that, that if it hits somebody, that they will come forward and put you on baptism, Lord, or they just need spiritual help, Lord, that they will do that this evening, Lord. Lord, continue to be with our sick, our widows, and our shut-ins, and our youth, Lord. Continue to be with them, watch over them. Continue to be with us now. Most of all, Lord, thank you for for sending your Son to die on a cross for us. Lord, in Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen. I'm going to tell you now so it won't be awkward later. Uh, the monitor's not on. I don't have a sheet for the invitation song as I'm standing on solid rock, so I'm going to sing it from down there. Okay. So there you go. Uh, next song is number uh, 871 in his time. 871. As I said, standing on a solid rock, and for a lesson tonight, number 684. 684.
Good to see so many of you back out with us tonight. There are so many things that I've been learning through uh, the Gospel of Mark. It would almost be a shame if I didn't share them with you. As I come across them, uh, we are just inundated in, in this Gospel with things that, rabbits that I want to chase so bad. But if I chase them, I'm afraid we'll miss the, the point that Mark's trying to get across to us. And so... Um, maybe on some of these Wednesday nights when it's my turn to speak, I'm going to share a couple of those with you, uh, if that's all right. In Mark chapter 4, uh, Mark says something I think that encourages us. It encourages me, at least. And that's kind of what I wanted Wednesday nights to be, at least during my lessons, is an encouragement. Um, I think we all, during a normal year, could use a little bit of encouragement. Uh, but especially during our current season, and encouragement seems to be on the on the low side, and so I wanted to hopefully encourage you a little bit from, from the Gospel of Mark again tonight. Spiritual maturity is a journey. It's a process, and Mark presents that for us uh, here in Mark chapter 4 during this, uh, this parable of the seed growing, starting in verse 26. He leaves us with this impression that spiritual maturity doesn't happen overnight. Um, if you come to Christ your priorities ought to change. You ought to want what he wants. You ought to start denying yourself. You ought to start living his life and stop living yours. But that's not an easy thing to do, is it? That journey, that mindset, that worldview doesn't happen overnight. And that can be frustrating, can it? I think a lot of us want to, to be there from A to Z. We, we want to want to what he wants immediately. And it's just not the way it happens a lot of times. We need time to, to get to where he would have us to be. I think that's encouraging for me because I'm not there yet. I'm not where I want to be yet. I, I bet you're not where you want to be yet either. You wake up in the morning, you think, uh, today I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. And, and then the end of the night comes, you think, well, tomorrow. I need to evangelize more. I need to share my faith with more. And then the end of the night comes and then you think, well, maybe tomorrow. I need to be more generous. I need to be more faithful. I need to watch my words. I need to watch my attitude. And then the day comes and you think, well, maybe tomorrow. It's frustrating, isn't it? It's a process. And we're going to look at a couple of different passages tonight, uh, a couple of different people's lives that dealt with this exact same thing. Uh, this is a scriptural problem. And so we're not the first generation, the first culture that's undergone this, this anomaly here. Uh, but I wanted to read for you very quickly, Mark 4, starting in verse 26. 
He said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. He says this, this idea of growth, this process of growth, God does it. And the man doesn't know how it happens, just like the farmer doesn't necessarily understand how the grain ripens and how all that functions. Maybe they do today, but they didn't back in Jesus' day. And so he kind of says your faith, your maturity is an awful lot like that. It's a process. You know, you wouldn't expect a four-year-old to go to a job and have discipline and, and, and focus. You wouldn't expect a 10-year-old to, to be able to do some of the things that a 25-year-old or a 40-year-old can do. You wouldn't expect them to have the vast knowledge that an adult would have. Spiritual maturity is the exact same way. The problem with spiritual maturity is a lot of us that are older physically are still spiritually immature because we haven't put in the hard work. Mark would say we haven't pulled the threads. We've talked about that quite a bit in our series on Mark during Sunday mornings, pulling on those threads, watching the text unravel in front of you. Some of us haven't put in the hard work to do that. And so that's my encouragement tonight. John Mark himself, the author uh, of this gospel, is going to be our first test case. Uh, John Mark is in Scripture. You find him. You find his story, at least part of it, at least the beginning of it, in Scripture, much like the rest of the apostles even. We don't know what happens to John Mark, how he dies and what he does after um, the text ends here for us. But we know his beginning. He's a young man when Jesus is alive, and when he's, when he's crucified, John Mark is still a young man. Uh, certainly below 30, probably below 20. He's maybe a teenager. He lives in Jerusalem with his mother Mary. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> so he lives in Jerusalem with his mother Mary. A few years after the church has began, Peter and James uh, become get arrested in Jerusalem. And James is murdered. He's martyred. Uh, and Peter is in the prison and this is all happening in Acts chapter 12. If you want to go back and look through this story. Um, but Peter's praying and, he, and he's beseeching God. And the church in Jerusalem is also praying, asking for their release. And, and so there's an earthquake. God releases Peter from the prison. Peter thinks uh, it's some sort of vision. But he goes uh, to John Mark's mom's house. Her name's Mary. And Luke tells us in Acts chapter 12 that he, he makes this connection for us. This is the Mary that is John Mark's mom. Mary is a pretty common name in the first century. So this Mary is John Mark's mom. John Mark's going to be a pretty big player in the first century. Obviously, he's the author of our gospel for Sunday mornings over the last several months. Uh, Peter gets there. They don't really think that it's Peter. They think it must be his ghost. Eventually, they let him in. You know the rest of the story. Um, and the church spreads out from there. Interestingly enough, John Mark plays a pivotal point in that. He follows right after that incident in Acts chapter 12. He hooks up with Barnabas, his cousin, and the apostle Paul, who's still being called Saul at this point. And he starts going on these mission trips with them. And he goes about halfway through Paul and Barnabas' first mission trip. And you know what happens, right? He loses his nerve. That's what most people think. It seems to make sense to me as well. Uh, right after Paul is stoned at the city of Lystra, 
John Mark hightails it back to Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen anyone be stoned before. Probably not. I would think that would be enough to make most men lose their nerve. John Mark does. Uh, for whatever reason, at least, he leaves uh, Paul and Barnabas's company, and he goes back home. He goes back to Jerusalem. Later, Paul and Barnabas, or Barnabas at least, wants to take John Mark back on this second missionary trip. And Paul says, I'm not doing it. He left us. I'm not doing it. And so he's useless to Paul for ministry, right? Barnabas says, well, he's not useless to me. I'm taking him. And so Barnabas and, and John Mark head off, and they do their own mission trips, and they convert people, and they set up congregations. And the word is spread twice as much because Paul's taking Silas, and he's going this way, and Barnabas and John Mark are going that way. And eventually, at the end of his life, in 2 Timothy, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> toward the end of his life in 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, his young evangelist friend, bring, Paul, bring Mark because he's not useful to me for ministry. Years have passed between when Mark left Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary trip to this point. I don't know exactly how many years, maybe as many as 15 or 20 years have passed. But what I want you to see here is John Mark has grown. He's gone back and he's counted the cost. That seems like a reasonable thing to have done after watching your friend and mentor being stoned because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. You go home, maybe, Scripture doesn't tell us, but maybe John Mark is scared, and that seems to make the most sense to me at least. He hasn't stopped to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus just yet. He hasn't pulled on all the threads. Maybe he's not as convinced as he will become, as he obviously will become, right? But by the time Paul is ending his journey here on the, in this life, Mark is convinced. And now he's useful to Paul for ministry. His progress in the faith has grown. He has spiritually matured, just as he's physically matured. It could have just been that he was young. We don't always think well. We haven't always stopped to think and count the cost of our actions when we're young. Maybe that's where Mark is at this point in his life. But by the time Paul calls him to his side at the end of his life, Paul's in prison, and anyone hanging out with Paul is marked by the Roman government. All this is happening right around the time Mark writes his gospel. Paul's going to die about 65 AD. That's a, almost the exact same year, maybe the exact year. Mark writes this gospel. <coughs> so you think he stopped and counted the cost by this point? Absolutely. Is he going to fail again? Not a chance. Not even if he's threatened with death. He has grown to the point at this, at this point that there's nothing that's going to back him down. We have to get there. We've got to get there. We've got to pull the threads. We've got to put in the hard work to grow spiritually. Because if we don't, we'll find ourselves with gray hair, but we're still a baby, spiritually speaking. We can't have that. We grow up inside of Christ. Let me show you Paul's bucket list. 
You ever thought about that? Do you have a bucket list of things that you want to do before you die? I've been working on mine maybe a little bit, at least a traveling bucket list, places I want to see and things I want to do and things like that. And I started thinking about Paul's bucket list. What would Paul's bucket list contain? Well, Scripture lets us in on a little bit of those things, doesn't it? If you've got your Bibles, turn over to Romans chapter 15. <coughs> Romans chapter 15 is the first thing I think is on Paul's bucket list. Verses 23 and 24. This is something he's been wanting to do for a long time. And he's just now gotten opportunity to do it. Um, but we get to see maybe the first thing on his bucket list. Romans 15, 23 through 24. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions. Well, what's Paul's work? Paul's an evangelist, right? So he's out preaching. He's out set, setting up congregations. Finding people who are interested in what he has to say about Jesus' saving power. And putting them in a group as God adds them to the church. Paul is encouraging them to live more Christ-like lives. He says, I've done all I can in this region. Isn't that phenomenal? I mean, in the entire region, in Asia Minor, where Paul has been working these last two decades, he said, I've done everything I can do. I've taught everybody I can teach. The churches are strong. And now Paul's looking out for more people to go out and teach. What would happen if our, one of the things on our bucket list was we had exhausted every evangelistic opportunity in Proctorville. What would happen? Paul has exhausted every evangelistic opportunity in the Northeast. I mean, we are talking about a vast portion of the country. That was one of the first things on his bucket list, I guess. Maybe that's the first thing on his bucket list exhaust the evangelistic possibilities in this region. But he's done that now. And since I have longed for many years to come to you, he's talking to the Romans now. He wants to go to Rome. He's been trying to get there for a long time, but he's busy right here. And since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. The first thing on his bucket list is, I'm, I'm done here. I've done all I can here. But there's a whole country over there who hasn't heard. I want to go over there. I want to come see you too. And I want you to help me go as I go over to Spain. Hold that thought in your heads and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at three or four of these really quickly. Uh, and I just kind of want you to look at some of the similarities, some of the things that are um, similar on Paul's bucket list. I think they're, they're all, they all have a theme. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Another one of the things that's on Paul's bucket list is to suffer more for Jesus. That kind of sounds like an odd thing to say, doesn't it? But listen to what Paul says here, and you'll walk away with this idea. The more he suffers, the more Jesus' power is accentuated in his suffering. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Who made him strong? 
Paul says, I'm not strong. I'm struggling. I, I have all these things on, on, on my back. I've got all these concerns. We'll talk about that in a second. And I'm just really struggling. But when I'm weak, what happens? He's going to say it in just a few verses. As a matter of fact, God takes up for my weakness with his strength. So when I suffer, his power is made more clear. And so I think one of the things on Paul's bucket list is, is to suffer more for Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 is another one. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. He says, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. If you go back through and you read Second Corinthians 11... Paul has a larger list of things that he has suffered for the cause of Christ. Uh, he's been beaten. He's been uh, set on by wild animals. Uh, he's been shipwrecked. I mean, you just go through this laundry list of things. And at the end of that list, he says, and I'm always concerned about the churches. So what's Paul's tick mark on the bucket list here? Well, make sure all the churches are growing. I want to make sure that they're self-sufficient, that they can take care of themselves, that they've been taught enough up until this point that he can leave them on their own and he can go somewhere else and he can teach more people and encourage those churches all the way up until the point that they're self-sufficient so he can go somewhere else. That's one of Paul's bucket list items. Turn over to Romans chapter 7. This is the last one. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing me cough. Romans chapter 7, <clears throat> verse 15. Paul says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. So what's Paul's bucket list item here? Well, he wants to live righteously. And he's been trying to, right? Right? He's been trying to grow up spiritually. That's kind of the funny thing. You never think about the Apostle Paul being spiritually immature because he wasn't. But as you grow, you see more and more things inside of you that don't look very much like Christ. And Paul has gotten to that point now where he's looking at his own life and thinking, I, I thought I had it. I thought I was there. But I, I, every time I line myself up with him, I just see more and more things that don't look like him. And I'm trying to eradicate those things. But every time I try to do it, I go back to doing me instead of doing him. And Paul says, that's a problem. So one of the things on his bucket list is live righteously. Tomorrow, more than I did today. Did you notice some things that were similar in, in Paul's bucket list? Who were they all focused on? Not a single one of them was about him, was they? They were all focused on Jesus. Every single one of these things was about Jesus. Some of these things weren't even in Paul's best interest. He wants to suffer more for Jesus. Ultimately, he's going to be killed because of that. Bucket list item. And on that day, you've got to think Paul is rejoicing. He got what he wanted. Christ was magnified. Not Paul, but Christ was magnified. 
if we're going to grow up inside of Christ, the things that we want are going to have to be focused on Him and not us. We've got to grow up inside of Him. And it's a process. And it takes a while, right? But every day, we make the decision to do what He wants, not what I want, not the things that I hate. And so maybe tonight, you need to start brand new. You need a fresh start. Have your sins washed away. Be baptized into his blood and get a fresh start. Become a new creation is how he phrases it in scripture. Become something completely new. Washed clean. Maybe you need that tonight. You've most likely already taken that step. And you just need the prayers of this congregation to grow up spiritually. There's no shame there. That, that's a process that we all are going through. And we all need a little help, don't we? So maybe tonight, if you need a little help, you need the prayers of this congregation to grow up inside of Christ. We want to pray with you and for you. And you'll grow up into who he would have you to be. If you have any need tonight, why won't you come as you stand and sing? Through my disappointment, strife, and discontentment, I cast my every care on the Lord. No matter Received from number 456, No Tears in Heaven. No tears in heaven, no sorrows given, all will be glory.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come here midweek to refresh ourselves in your word, to sing songs of praises to you, and to think about you, to focus on you and what you have done for us. You have given us this world. You have created us. You have given us your word. You have given us the plan of salvation within that word. You've given us your son so that we might use him as our example for being more like him and like you. We pray, Father, that as we go from day to day that we will do everything we can to grow in your word. We know that it's not an option. It is a requirement. It is a command. So help us, Father, to do whatever we can to set aside the time, the energy, the effort, and to acquire the desire to do so because we love you and want to know more about you. Forgive us of our sins, Father. Be with us as we separate. In Jesus' name we pray.